and welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we actually have a friend, um, somebody who we read often, talk to, used to talk to more than we talk to now. I guess that means I'm becoming irrelevant, but that's okay. None other than Caitlin Bird. How are you today? I am doing well, and you are not irrelevant, Bakari. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We start each one of our episodes before we get into the news of the day by um, asking our guests to walk us through the arc of their career. So talk to me about your various career stops since finishing at UNC Asheville and talk a bit about your beat for the Charleston Post and Courier. Wow, that's that's such a great thing um, because it's definitely a lot of zigzagging in my career. So I actually, while I was still a student at UNC Asheville, um, I actually freelanced for the local Alt Weekly in town. Um, picking up any sort of news I could for them, particularly healthcare or covering a city council race and helping out with election night coverage. So I've been uh, getting a taste for politics right from the beginning, but uh, who knew that I would end up being a senior politics reporter at the Post and Courier, but uh, I zigzagged actually turned that freelance opportunity as a college student into a full-time paying job upon graduation, stuck with it, moved to a smaller newsroom uh, where I was an online news editor because I could kind of see that digital was going to be integral to doing my job. And I wanted that on the resume, not just in name only, but to really understand how the internet works with the way that we get news out to uh, our readers and to our neighbors. And and then I went back uh, covering entrepreneurs uh, in Western North Carolina for another paper before ending up in the Post and Courier, working on the digital desk at first, but uh, I worked on a Sunday shift, which meant I was writing those little hits anytime Lindsey Graham said something on a Sunday show or oh, wow. Tim Scott on a Sunday show. And uh, the editors here said, you know, you've got a real knack for this political coverage thing. Do you want to do that for us full time? And I said, why not? Let's give it a go. Turn that into a job. Briefly worked at the state newspaper for about a year and a half as an enterprise reporter based in Charleston. That was a great opportunity, but I felt that tug of wanting to get back to full-time political coverage. And the Post and Courier said, well, we'd love to have you back. And so it all just really worked out. But I think that when I say it worked out, what I really mean is when you work really hard, things tend to go in your favor, but it takes a whole lot of work to make that line up. So I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had. Well, you mentioned it. Let's talk about our senator and my friend, Tim Scott, and his race for president. I guess the number one question people have is, why is he running? I think the polling doesn't suggest he will do well, and he's got a safe Senate seat. So why is he telling people that he's taking on this enormous task? Yeah, and it is enormous. And it seems that the senator does recognize that it's not going to be easy. But you know him. He's a really faith-driven person, and it seems like he's been preying on this quite a bit. Um, But the message that he really pitched today in his hometown at his college alma mater was that, you know, it is time for a more positive vision for America, that he believes that America's best days are ahead of her, not behind. Um, He's arguing that Joe Biden and in his words, the radical left are destroying or eroding many of the rungs on the ladder that helped him be successful as as a black man who was born and raised in the South, uh, grew up, up, raised in poverty. His mother uh, worked 16 hour shifts as a nurse's aide. So on paper, you know, he argues that he shouldn't be in the U.S. Senate, that you know, he has exceeded the expectations for his life, but he argues that that is largely because of a strong belief in America, 
conservative values and his Christian faith. And so he really is this sort of joyful warrior for the GOP. He's really evangelizing that Republican message. And that's going to be in such a contrast to the more caustic rhetoric that we're used to hearing um, from leading Republicans like Donald Trump, certainly Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's expected to get into the contest maybe even as soon as this week. So Tim Scott, you know, almost by virtue of you know, who he is. He's he's pitching this as a very personal message. So he's really trying to bring those conservative policies down to the personal level, um, as opposed to talking these big platitudes. But he's a politician, so he certainly gets his platitudes in as well. <laughs> you know, one of the ironies of, of Tim Scott is that he talks about the fact that um, he's Black, comes up from this upbringing, and anybody can make it, while also acknowledging that him making it is a miracle in itself. Those things are decently ironic for people who think he's running to be president. I mean, excuse me, running to be vice president. I like to shoot that down. Can you shoot that down for us? Well, I can tell you that I think today, if you if you go and watch his announcement video, he is definitely not running president. You know, why would you subject yourself to something as horrible (laughs) and soul sucking as a Republican presidential primary if you didn't really believe you had something to say that can make the country a better place, you know, from his perspective? So uh, even when I'm speaking with his campaign directly, you know, they will very quickly say, no, he is he is not running for vice president. He is running to run. Um, But it is difficult uh, to be pushing that message that he really is in it when you have people like Donald Trump, who today actually welcomed him quite warmly to the race, putting out a statement on Truth Social um, where he you know, was very kind and gracious, which are not words that we typically use to describe Donald Trump, because that's really not how he operates. He, he's not it doesn't seem like he's given Tim Scott a nickname yet. He's still really digging in on Ron DeSantis, um, but he has welcomed Tim Scott very warmly to the race. Uh, but I can tell you that you know, everything I hear from both the senator directly and also from his aides, he is running capital R. You know, what's uh, Tim Scott standing relative to Donald Trump in South Carolina? I said this morning on CNN that he and Nikki Haley are in a battle for third and fourth. Um, I have a hard time seeing either one of them beating uh, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, even Bill Stern. Uh, you know, one of my other good friends is supporting Ron DeSantis for president mm-hmm. of the United States. So what is what are their standings in South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, the latest uh, statewide polling that we've seen su- supports exactly what you're saying, that right now, you know, in this early phase of the race that, you know, in some ways and in many national polls will even expand it out for a quick second. You know, Tim Scott's polling with, you know, sometimes single digits or, or a big goose egg. Um, Nikki Haley might be doing a little bit better, but she's also been in the race since February. Right. Um, but the real challenge for both of them in South Carolina is one, they're competing for support um, in a state that knows both of them really well. And two, with Donald Trump, you know, I have heard the argument that his floor is also the ceiling. And as this field continues to grow, then you you hear these concerns about whether or not Donald Trump will win South Carolina and other states just by plurality as opposed to a majority, just because it's a numbers game. If you have 12 people running, how many ways are you going to split the pie? You know, Democrats probably could have argued the same thing back in, in 2020, right? When you when, when there were like no, more than no, 20 we, candidates we, running. But we have structurally different ways. So the the, rif- the difference between the Democratic primary and the Republican primary is Republicans are winner take all, which puts Donald Trump. That's in a good point. A very that is a good point. And this is why we talk because of these nuances and differences. Yes, exactly. We make each other so much better. Yes. Um, <laughs> what distinguishes Tim Scott? I mean, this is day to day. So let's talk about him. What distinguishes him from other Republicans, even say Nikki Haley, 
who are running for president of the United States, how does he differ from mainstream Republicans or how does he govern as a president? Yeah, well, first and foremost, his his life experience certainly puts him um, in contrast with the his fellow Republicans. And right now, it looks like he's shaping up that he may be the only U.S. senator to enter the Republican presidential primary, which is really weird because yeah, in the past, yeah. yeah, the Senate has been this natural launch pad for presidential aspirants. So for Tim Scott to potentially be the only senator is really remarkable. In addition to being the only senator, you know, he is the only black Republican senator and he's from the Deep South. Um, it means also not for nothing. He has been in political office since 1995. Um, I think it's really important to remind people that Tim Scott is a career politician. He <laughs> has been in politics for the majority of his life. Um, and he has done it from Charleston County all the way up now to the U.S. Senate. Um, so that's just a really different political resume than someone who started like Nikki Haley first in the state house, then the governorship than the UN. So it's just very different when you're talking about someone who has governed at the hyper-local level and also at one of the highest federal levels as well. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, when we're talking about his political resume and the way that he's different from the field, the fact that when Tim Scott talks about matters of race, it's going to be very different when it's coming out of his mouth on that uh, debate stage than if Ron DeSantis is talking about it or Donald Trump. Certainly Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy can speak to what it means to be a brown person in America. And as Nikki puts it often, being a brown girl in a black and white world. But Tim Scott will so far be one of the only, not the only, but he'll be the only black Republican senator who can get up there and talk about police reform and being pulled over more than 30 times in the course of his life. So yeah. uh, I'm really curious to see how the debate stage plays out, assuming that uh, Senator Scott and Nikki Haley qualify to be on that stage. That's a good point. One of the other persons that Caitlin was mentioning, although not uh, verbally was Larry Elder, who's also a black man running for president of the United States as of today, I, I guess. Um, I guess he's right. I don't know what Larry Elder doing. Um, so we talked about we talked about the issue of race. It's kind of the elephant in the room. Um, I know the answer, but I think it's worth asking. Is there any evidence that Tim Scott can actually attract black voters to the Republican Party? I don't know if I've seen any true evidence yet. I think, you know, if I were to take that question to his campaign, one, if you take a question to the campaign, they're going to come back and spin it to you and give it to you in a nice little package, right? So we always do additional reporting. But but I do think that one of the first places we probably should look to find that out is to look back at some of his more recent statewide elections here. And I will admit, I need to go back and see how much, how much Black support he garnered it, 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 with it, running. It, it didn't necessarily translate. Let me ask you this question. What is what is Nikki Haley and Tim Scott's relationship? It's actually quite collegial. It's really warm. They get along well with each other. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to both fight really hard for South Carolina and also for Iowa and New Hampshire, right? We, we talk a lot about South Carolina because both of them are from this state, were born and raised in this state. But before they can even get here, they have to get through Iowa and they have to get through New Hampshire. So first in the South, yes, but third in the lineup. <laughs> in Tim's personality, let's talk about it. I, I've, I've said that Tim is the highest character politician I've seen on a national stage in a long time. That's just for me knowing him for, for that long. Mm -hmm. um, but it looks like Republicans are looking for a fire and brimstone, doom and gloom type of candidate. Uh, he's Tim's pretty positive. I mean, how does this demeanor play 
Um, I know he could be a strong general election candidate, but how does that how does his personality play in the Republican primary? Yeah. And I mean, we're we're starting to get some hints of that today. I would say maybe it may not be the best representation because it's his hometown. Right. So there's built in admiration support. There were people in that in that gymnasium today who went to high school with Tim Scott. So it's not exactly the perfect political Petri dish for looking at Republican presidential primary voters in all of the early states. But something that Tim Scott, when you're talking about his personality, something that really shines through when he's a candidate is he really gets a lot of energy in that one-to-one, the retail politics. I joke, but not so much that the man can't stand in one spot on a stage to save his life. You know, if it's not a formal debate setting, he wants to be in the crowd. He wants to be with the people. I expect that that kind of willingness to go directly to individuals is going to play very well in places like Iowa, New Hampshire. He's at home and comfortable sitting in a diner, talking with people one-to-one in a way that I think is going to really contrast with someone like Ron DeSantis, who doesn't really enjoy that part of politicking. Um, And so so that will definitely, I think, the contours of the way those early states play out being so retail politics heavy could work in his favor. But to your point, I think that big question really is, do Republicans want the next American sunrise or do they want American carnage? And that has yet to play out. And the truth is, if Tim Scott is going to be successful, the reality is he is going to have to put some bite um, into his remarks if he wants to pull away supporters of Donald Trump's, of Ron DeSantis. There's just no way mathematically that he can't pull their support. Um, So I'm really curious to see how he not only goes after Democrats, which we saw that today, and to your point, yeah, that works you know, we see that general election message playing out. But before you can get to the general, you have to get through the primary, which is a race of contrast. And you can't, you cannot in a primary be so nice and not get drawn out, you know, drowned out by other candidates in that field. He's going to have to be willing to throw some punches. His campaign says, yes, he is. I will believe it when I see it. That ain't you and I both know that ain't. Tim. I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> Last question for you. What do you think it says about South Carolina standing in national politics where you have Nikki Haley and Tim Scott on one end and you have the Democratic Party moving to South Carolina to become the country's first primary and the longstanding leadership of Jim Clyburn? Is there any other state in the country that can pack as much punch politically as South Carolina, especially for its size? Gosh, so far, no. Right. These 46 counties are really doing a lot of work. <laughs> um I think what it says is something that you and I have both known for a long time, which is that in its own special, weird, crazy, caustic, insane way, on both the Republican and Democratic side, South Carolina really represents a unique reflection of where the national parties are headed um, and where their values are and where their voters live. And not to mention South Carolina is a rural state, which is which is different. You know, it's different from a place like Georgia. We don't have a, a real true like major metro here in South Carolina. So you've got to really take your message straight to the people. But I think it says that South Carolina should be taken seriously. You know, on the Republican side, there's a lot of history there when looking to the Republican presidential nominating contest when all but one time since 1980, Republicans have picked the eventual GOP nominee uh, nationally. 
you know, in yeah. Democrats, you know, first in the South, that has just been such a power player. And it has really elevated the importance of black voters and particularly black women who make up such a core constituent, such a core constituency of the Democratic Party. Um, so I think that on paper, you know, there's some national folks who don't really understand how two truths can be true at once. But South Carolina really is a powerful, special political petri dish. You just have to be willing to listen. And I have to also acknowledge that South Carolina is changing every day. We've had so many people move here since the pandemic, and that's bound to affect the way that people vote. And so I'm very curious about how that plays out here. Um, and I'm here in Charleston. You know, I'm in the first congressional district. There's a racial gerrymandering case before the Supreme Court. South Carolina is powerfully important to American democracy and people should take it seriously and not write it off. I love that last line. Well, Caitlin Bird uh, from the Post and Courier, how can people follow you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Mary Caitlin Bird and it's spelled C's. Uh, it's spelled Caitlin with C's and I's and Bird with a Y. <laughs> like, do you know how to spell it? Okay, there we go. I do. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. Well, I'm glad you're able to join us for this kind of breaking news episode on our friend. Um, I tell people the way I view Tim Scott is I would give him a kidney and never vote for him. That's my that's South Carolina politics, I think, at its finest. But thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Let's talk more soon. All right. Be blessed. Thank you, Kevin.